Hello, Baker McKenzie welcomes you to Connect on Tech, a global podcast series covering legal developments on data, technology, privacy, and security that impact your business. Here's your host, Brian Hengisbaugh, Global Chair of Privacy and Security. Okay, so we're excited today to have two great guests teaming up with us on children's data and key privacy issues related to children's data. We have Ben Slynn, Senior Privacy Associate in our London office and a previous guest of the show, as well as Brandon Mosbury, a partner in our Chicago office, also a previous guest of the show. So Ben and Brandon, welcome back. Thanks very much, Brian. Great to be with you both. Thanks for having me. Yep. Thanks for having us. Ben, maybe we kick it off with you. Can you give us a quick update or snapshot on some of the recent developments on children's data? Yeah, sure. So the um, the Information Commissioner uh, published their final version of the age-appropriate design code for online services recently. This followed a lengthy public consultation uh, that took place last year. And it's a statutory code that the ICO is actually required under the Data Protection Act 2018 uh, to publish, and they have to take it into account when they're assessing compliance with both the GDPR and e-privacy rules. It's um, one of the uh, ICO's regulatory priorities in terms of children's data, and we anticipate that this is going to be a key focus in particular when uh, the code comes into force, which is likely to be around the second half of next year. Um, they've incorporated a the maximum 12-month uh, implementation period to allow organizations enough time to prepare because there's quite a lot of work for them to do in order to comply. Got it. Maximum 12 months. And you said the second half of next year, we're recording this at the end of April 2020. So sometime after July 2021, is that what we can expect for this to be enforced? Yeah, absolutely. The ICO anticipates it's going to be in the fall autumn time. So probably looking even after the summer, uh, it needs to still be approved officially by parliament. So certainly just over a year, uh, but there's plenty uh, for organizations to do uh, in the meantime, quite a lot of work. Got it. Great. And then, so maybe just explain a little bit more, what type of services are going to be covered by the code or who should be worried about the code? Yeah, it's, it, it's potentially very broad. Uh, the, the code applies to information society services, which for our purposes is, is really most online services. So things like apps, toys, uh, connected devices. So even things like uh, interactive uh, home hub uh, speakers, but also online search engines, social media platforms, streaming services, games, and a whole, whole bunch of uh, websites. And it's not just uh, services that you would think are directed at children. It's any service that's likely to be accessed or used by a child. And for these uh, purposes, uh, the definition of child is anyone under the age of 18. So it's much wider than we would normally expect when we're talking about children's data. So potentially applies to a very wide range of services and some of those that you may not typically expect you know, when we're talking about children and privacy. Yeah, I mean, that's hugely important because that's not what I was expecting, actually, in the sense that, uh, first of all, 18 is a very high age to be a child. So uh, 17, um, you know, 17, 18, that seems a little bit high, but from what one might expect, but also a standard of just likely to be used by um, someone. So that's a potentially broad range. I mean, is it, I mean, what would not even, what would clearly not be in that category at that point? Yeah, so the ICO said that it doesn't, it's not absolutely everything, but the standard that they're looking at here is is more probable than not. So if you're looking at a service that's like, is really going to be used by, it's more probable that a child is going to be able to use it. So anyone under 18, then the code's going to apply. So I think the initial, one of the initial tasks actually is to look at um, existing services as well as your new services and think about, is this is this criteria met and therefore does the code apply? And that's an important point. This isn't just future looking. This also applies to things that are currently out there um, on the market and being used. So we'll have to look back at those services and assess if the code applies or not and what impact it has. 
Yes, there's certainly a potential to have a very, very broad impact. So maybe could you hit for us, what are some of the key requirements that are coming under the code? Yeah, so the 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 primary, there are 15 standards, but the primary consideration when developing or designing uh, any of these online services likely to be used by a child is keeping in mind the best interests of the child. There are lots of other uh, standards, as I mentioned, so things like data protection impact assessments, age-appropriate applications, so really looking at age-gating, uh, transparency, so making sure that information you provide to children is appropriate to their age, and the code sets out different bands of age category and the, and the type of information that would be appropriate, and pre- presenting information in different ways, so not just uh, a written privacy notice, but things that um, children will engage with, like uh, videos, uh, pictures, and also gamifying the privacy information so that they'll actually interact with it. Um, and there are lots of other requirements, so uh, ensuring that you are not nudging uh, children towards um, measures that would reduce the level of privacy protection, uh, just as a few examples. But the code's over 100 pages. There's quite a lot of detail in there, um, certainly more that we're able to cover today. Yeah, amazing. And what about uh, parental consent? Is there an element of it that are there times when you need to get parental consent or is that not as much a part of the code? Yes, so parental consent and and those types of um, parental controls that we're used to are certainly part of the code. Uh, and uh, of course, requirements as well uh, under the GDPR. I think what the code's looking at now is really uh, applying data protection standards, but specifically um, in relation to children and trying to improve. I think the ICO's objective is to improve the practices of these types of services that are used by children uh, to ensure that they're given the, the highest level of privacy protection. No, that's great. And then are there things that organizations uh, should be doing now? I mean, in some ways it seems like, oh, gee, we might have until the latter part of 2021 to get our house in order. But are there things that organizations should be doing now? Yeah, absolutely. So there is quite a lot in the code. So things like uh, looking at your data protection impact assessments, updating those to demonstrate how you comply with the code, and then also um, rerunning and updating the DPIs you've already done for your existing services is something that will need to happen. Uh, looking at your age verification mechanisms and updating those if you need to, uh, creating this new uh, privacy notice information that's going to be needed for certain categories and different age groups, as well as ensuring there are actual tools in place to allow children to exercise their data protection rights. And just building all of this in from the design phase, really, that concept of data protection by design and default certainly runs through the code and something that we'll need to adjust to going forward. No, that's terrific, uh, Ben. Thank you for that. Okay. And now maybe, Brandon, cutting across the Atlantic here, we know that very often companies have platforms that are accessible by users in many jurisdictions. So very often a company would need to solve, not just for this new uh, UK ICO code, which sounds like it's quite complex, a lot of threads, a lot of elements to be addressed, um, but also would need to solve, say, for U.S. children's privacy issues uh, at the same time, um, as well as others in other jurisdictions that we can't quite cover on today's short podcast. But maybe, Brandon, just to start with, give us a sense of what the, the privacy landscape looks like in the U.S. on children's privacy, you know, federal and then state. Yeah, so in, in short, the primary rule in the U.S. is COPPA, which regulates at the federal level collection of data. I think as compared to the UK, the good news is that it's more targeted to children that are viewed as under age 13. So we have a little more flexibility there. Um, But I would say, you know, in connection with everything that's going on um, in today's climate, there is more attention on the collection of data in the U.S., both at the state and federal level, um, such that they want to ensure, you know, companies are collecting this data properly. Um, And I think, you know, 
there's a narrower view of kind of where the requirements apply. It really applies to sites that are directed to children or where clients have actual knowledge that they are uh, interacting with the child. Um, for those clients that are have, have sites that are directed directly to children, they are generally comfortable with understanding that the obligation applies. I think where we get into some stickiness there is where you have a website that may not look like it's targeted to children, but you collect information such as birth date as part of a, an account verification in order to then be put on knowledge that you have information about a child. Right. So you you uh, you sort of inadvertently acquire actual knowledge. Maybe the site isn't really targeted to kids, but because you have a um, a drop down menu for birthday or something, then you you get actual knowledge, even though you hadn't been intending it. And of course, then you've got your in scope for for COPPA. Maybe just spend another minute on uh, the California Consumer Privacy Act, and um, can you tell us a little bit about it, its provisions uh, vis a vis children? Yeah, and I think that's another sticking point, and I think it's a sign of things to come. I expect other states will similarly try to regulate children's data. But in short, under the CCPA, businesses are prohibited from selling data about a child under age 16 without opt-in consent. And there's kind of a two-tiered approach here. Um, and as a starting point, when we say sell, you know, we talk, we're talking about exchanging you know, name and emails with a business partner, or even your interactions with ad tech providers, which could trigger a sale under CCPA. But in short, if the child is between the ages of 15 and 13, you need opt-in consent from the child. If the child is under age 13, you need consent from the parent. Um, when we're talking about name and emails, that's, you know, we're, clients are able to get ahead of that. I think where it gets a little bit more challenging is when we're talking about ad tech, um, particularly when you're trying to target a website to a 15-year-old and you want to use advertising cookies, you may not trigger a COPPA issue because the child is over age 13, but you still have to figure out a way of how do you properly block those cookies before you get an opt-in consent. Yeah, hu- hugely complicated. And then, of course, with with CCPA, we know it's just the first of... Uh, um, many state laws that are coming on these issues. So, you know, watching and, and at least as of the moment, you know, end of April 2020, we don't have a real prospect of federal preemption on this stuff coming anytime soon. So we're likely to get a, a variety of issues. Brandon, would you also say that um, these issues are probably going to be heightened in terms of um, their strictness with the onset, say, of ed tech and all our kids are home at the moment as of this recording, you know, doing online learning. Are we going to see more attention on this going forward? Absolutely. Um, I think, you know, the starting point is, you know, you're seeing a lot of these providers that a lot of our clients are using um, are collecting data that, you know, may be beyond what the parent or the child may expect. So getting a handle on that. And as a result of, you know, everyone educating their kids from school, from home, or the fact that you have more people at home browsing the internet, both the federal and state regulators, as well as policy groups, have been pushing to ensure that children's data is properly protected. So I, although the laws haven't changed in the same way that the UK has recently, there is certainly more attention on the collection of children's data and ensuring it's done properly. Perfect. We will leave it at that. Ben Slynn, Senior Privacy Associate from Baker McKenzie London, Brandon Mosbray, uh, Privacy Partner out of our Chicago office. Thanks so much for being here. Of course. Thanks very much. Thank you for listening. Stay tuned for our next podcast when we connect on tech. For more information on data and technology, subscribe to our blog at connectontech.com or visit our website at bakermckenzie.com.